Um, if you guys would please uh, open your Bibles with me. To we thank you so very much for joining us today on National Back to Church Sunday here at The Well. My name is Joshua Cahill. If I have not had a chance to meet with you yet, I'm the lead pastor here. Uh, we're just so glad that you are with us today as we are about to dive in uh, to week two in our series uh, on the book of Ruth, Hope in the Midst of Hopelessness. And so uh, today um, I, I want to hit you with a little bit of knowledge this morning right out of the gate. So um, how many of you have a car? that you, you drive? All six of you, great. The rest of you walk or ride horses? Uh, so, all right, so let's try that again. How many of you have a car? Great, that's much better. All right, so how many of you know that on that car, um, there is a meter that measures how much gas you have in the tank? Yes, I know. All of, us have to, all of us have to look at the dashboard of our car at some point in time to ensure that we're not going to run out of gas. Has anyone ever been stranded before because you thought you could make it? Yes. So um, I'm going to share with you a, a brief story. Um, and so I was at a conference in Atlanta several years ago with a buddy of mine uh, in ministry. And we decided that we were going to drive from Tampa uh, to Atlanta. So you're talking like a six and a half hour drive. Um, and we're those people that make a game out of the GPS. The GPS says we can make it in six and a half hours. We'll make it there in six um, legally, we will make it there in six or not. Uh, but we will, we will try to beat the GPS. And so we take off, we get to Atlanta, we're having this great time at this conference, and we take off to come home. And it's, it's late at night um, on the weekend. And um, I said that I would drive. I was a little bit um, less tired. And so I take off and I'm driving my buddy's car. So this is the first time I've ever been in this car. And I was already annoyed because it had one of those new updated systems that if you got too close to the line, it would be like beep, 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 every single time. And so like I'm trying to figure this car out, not realizing that we need gas. And the light comes on, and so we're stuck on the highway in traffic because of an accident, and there is no exit near where we are. And I began to panic, and my buddy is asleep in the car, and so I'm, I'm a guy, right? So I don't want to wake up my friend and be like, I'm panicking because we're going to run out of gas, and it's dark, and I really don't know where we're at, right? So... Um, I end up waking him up because that light just is the bane of my existence and it's just yellowish orange on the dashboard in front of me and it's just there. And so we were on this, this trip. I wake him up and he goes, oh, don't worry about it. My car can go 42.3 miles before it actually dies. And I was like, how do you know that? He's like, oh, because I've done this. And so I started, I started thinking about, about, okay, so someone wasted their time to actually see how far their car would go before it ran out of gas. And then on the other hand, I started thinking about how I would never let my car get that low on gas ever. Anybody else resonate with that? All right. So there are some of us who are okay with our, gar our gas light coming on before we put gas on it. Some of us are okay with driving for miles after the gas light comes on. Then there are others that put gas in their car when it's a half a tank. That would be me. I'm the guy who's like, I'm never ever going to run out of gas. Now the gauge though, the gauge on our car is there to remind us that at some point we're going to have to return to the source of that gas. We're going to have to go to that pump and we're going to have to refill. You realize in your car that if you run on empty, you will eventually run out and you'll find yourself stuck. 
oftentimes in a place that you don't want to be stuck. And this is where we're going to find Naomi this morning in this passage of Scripture. She's in Moab. Her sons and her, daughter, or her husband have died. We saw this last week that there was death, there was famine. This is where you find Naomi. Her life has dealt her a blow that is beyond words. And she wants to go back home to Bethlehem. But she does not want her daughter-in-laws to come with her. And so she hears that, that bread has been given to her people that God has blessed. And so she tries to go back home alone. Now I want you to pick up with me in, in chapter number one of Ruth. We'll pick up in verse number eight. Pick up in verse number eight. And it says, But Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house, and may the Lord deal, with, deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. And then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So they're mourning here. And they say to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi says, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that, I may, that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and bear sons, would you therefore wait until they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And then they lifted up their voices and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And and to leave you or to return from following you. Oh, sorry. For where you go, I go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. And your people shall be my people and your God, my God. In verse 17, where you die, I will die. And there will I bear, uh, be buried. And may the Lord do so to me. And more also, if anything but death, part from me. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. And so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And it says, the woman said, is this Naomi? And she says, do not call me Naomi, but call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? And so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And this is God's word for us today. Let's pray. God, we come to you right now in this place and we ask of you to reveal yourself through this passage of scripture. God, help clear our mind, help clear our thoughts, help us to see that we can find hope in you, help us to see pictures of grace in our life, help us to recognize that hope is only and solely found in you, Jesus Christ. And I ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want us to look back real quick to verse number 21. I want you to see what Naomi says here. She says that I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. 
There are three things that I want us to see this morning about when we are empty. It's often the result of these three things. These three things. They're going to come to the screen quick. We're not going to linger here. So those of you who are note takers, you got to write it down fast, okay? So the first, the first result is being away from God for too long. We are left empty when we are away from God for too long. We see this in the passage of Scripture here. This family had been away from God for years. They're in a foreign place. They suffered loss, and they did not realize that it was better to struggle in the presence of God than to struggle without His presence, I'm going to say that again. They did not realize that it was better to struggle in the presence of God than to struggle without his presence. This is the family here. We know from last week that they should have never left their home country of Bethlehem, and and yet they did. It's better to stay close to the Lord and learn the lessons than to leave his side and become empty being away from God for too long. The second is seeking things that can never satisfy us. They left their source of life. They were illusioned to the situation and they thought that it was better to go somewhere else. Like, let's just take a vacation from this life. Let's just get away from the mess. And while you can never escape God's presence, you can leave the place of blessing. We may be in seasons of struggle, church. But don't look for a substitute or a way out. Don't look for an exit plan. Don't look for an escape route. Those things lead to emptiness. Leaving a hard situation does not mean that you will find a better solution. Does not mean that you'll find a better solution. The answers are not found in a change of location, but getting closer to God. Church, don't seek the things that will never satisfy. And the last one is trying to run from our problems. Anyone ever guilty of that? Trying to run from our problems? Emptiness always requires us to come back to the source of life. Our problems, when empty, is that we have failed to get back to our source. It's just like needing gas for your car. Head to the pump. Believers who stay in Moab, in the place of destruction, in the place of death, in the place of pain and suffering, those people who do not come back to the source will always end up making wrong choices. We always make wrong choices when we're not seeking and or standing on truth. Anyone ever resonate with that? I make wrong choices when I don't follow God's word. We are told over and over and over again that our life is made up of choices. We are told throughout the New Testament in Colossians, in Galatians, in Romans, in Philippians, we are told that we have choices that we are to make. It was one of my favorite authors and pastors that said that our life is not made up of the big choices in life. Our life is made up of the millions and millions of tiny choices that we make on a day-to-day basis. That's what will tell you where your life is going. The millions and millions of tiny choices. Christ should be our life. God should be our provider. And we must go back to the place of bread. Bethlehem. 
the house of bread, the place where Christ would come from. We have to come back, and we should have never left if you have. And so the first thing I want you to see in this passage of Scripture is that in the depths of our hardship, God will not leave us alone. God will not leave us alone God often brings us back to the starting place again and again until we learn the lesson that he is to be our source. Sometimes, though, in our quest for better living, we find attempting to find fulfillment in situations, and guess what happens? We end up in worse situations. There have been multiple times in my life where I was placed in a situation in which God was attempting to grow and stretch me. God was attempting to remove something from my life. And oftentimes I found that I tried to get away from the chastening. And it never turned out well. We know from the book of Hebrews that God chastens those that he loves. Means that he corrects. He causes change in them. We also know throughout the entire book of 1 Peter that the Christian life is about suffering. It's about suffering. We are going to endure pain. We are going to endure hardships. But we have to see how God knows how hard life is without Him. We don't want to think that our pain and our problems are a part of God's plan, but the reality is they are. Oftentimes we become so short-sighted and we become so laser-focused on our problem, on our issue, on our pain, on our suffering, and we forget that we serve a God that can move that mountain. We forget that. The reality is, is that our choices reflect who is in charge of our life. Who's calling the shots for you? The final conclusion is that God is sovereign and he should be the one to call the shots. But church, I need you to know that decisions, decisions will determine destinies. Decisions will determine destinies. Naomi's choice here, she wanted to cover up her past. She wanted to just erase it all, wanted to walk away, let the two daughters in law leave because her sons and her husband are gone. She wanted to go back home. She doesn't want to explain why she would be coming home with her two daughters-in-law and nobody else. She wants this whole entire nightmare to be over. Here's the point, though. Repentance always leads you to confess and return. Repentance always leads you to confess and return. Naomi needed a heart check. She needed to reevaluate why she was returning and realize that covering sin never works out. Covering sin never works out. She said three separate times in this passage of Scripture, turn back, turn back, turn back. Church, when you decide to come home, you have to come clean. When you decide to come home, you have to come clean. You can never be the person that God intended for you to be if you're constantly covering up your sin. It's not possible. I watched a movie several years ago um, with my family, and um, 
and don't judge me, it was, a, it was not a Christian movie. Um, and I was watching this movie, and there was this, there was this individual who was in a, a very hard situation and was about to go uh, into a courtroom scene. And he's a teenager. And uh, he is stopped by a man that he looks up to, that loves him, and he says to him, truth will out. Truth will out. He says this very short phrase, and the young man walks away. And I began to think over in my head about all of the situations and times in which in my life or in other people's lives in which I have walked with where there was an attempt to cover up sin. The truth always came out in those situations. Every single time, truth always comes out. We are told in the book of Proverbs, chapter 28, that he who covers sin will not prosper. It says, but the one who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. The one who begs of God to be changed. The one who repents because they want to live a different light. Secrecy, church, is the enemy of a Christian. Secrecy is the enemy. And if we are to grow and to change, we need to come clean and make a lifestyle choice. We have to decide to go back to Naomi here, it was to her old life. I want to go back to my old gods, and it wasn't a good choice. You know that we never hear of her again. Never again do we hear of Naomi. The thing is that she was so close and went back, and she missed all that God had for her. She missed it. Who knows how the story of her life could have changed if she was just obedient from the very beginning. Does anyone ever know anyone in their life like the Orpas? The people that when things get hard, they just run back to how they used to be? I think everybody knows somebody who's an Orpa. The scary thing is, is that she was given bad advice from a bitter, backslidden believer. She followed the advice. We talked about this last week. We talked about how when we are in hardships, that our decisions often lead people astray. We learned last week that what was, what was the best antidote for a bitter and cynical spirit? Thankful hearts. Naomi had forgotten what she could be thankful for. And so church, there's a warning here for all of us in scripture that when we are not right with God, our directions can lead people to make wrong choices. When we are not right with God, our directions can make or can lead people to make wrong choices. When we have to come to the wrong conclusions about God and we get bitter about us, it can cost everything to the people around us. No man lives alone in the choices that he or she makes. I said this to you last week, you never sin alone. Your sin affects everything around you in your circle of influence. And so despite all of the hardships that Naomi was going through, despite Naomi's actions and her attitude, despite all of those things, God never left her. God will often bring, though, someone into our lives to help us deal with hardships. Someone will, will be brought into your life to help you deal with Even while Naomi was working at hard, working hard at being a loner, Ruth never left. 
She tried. She attempted multiple times, but her daughter-in-law would not leave her side. Orpah was almost, but Ruth was all in. Ruth was all in. Ruth, in this passage of Scripture here, takes a stand. She makes a commitment. She said, where you go, I go. Where you lodge, I lodge. Where you die, I die. There was a commitment here that said, I'm going to stick with you through it all. Through every piece. Now, I don't want to belabor this point for just a moment, but we need to thank God for the people who have stuck with us through the hard things. We need to thank God for those people. We need to thank God for the people who have not left our side. For the people who despite our problems and despite our own quirks, we should be thankful every single moment of every day for the people who stand next to you and say, brother, sister, I'm going to walk with you because I love you. Church, if you don't have somebody like that in your life, I don't care if it's only one person. Find somebody. You cannot do this life alone. We were not called to walk the Christian life in a box by ourselves in a dark room. We were called to do life with people, people who believe in God, believe in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives, people who will pick us up when we've fallen. And say, I'm here. Find somebody if you don't have somebody. We all need a Ruth in our life. Ruth was peace. Ruth was refreshment to a bitter person. Do you know that Ruth's name means rose? It means rose. It was a reminder that even a rose can bloom in the deserts of life. Even a rose can bloom in the deserts of life. Out of the wash pot of Moab, a place of, of destruction and death, came a wonderful and beautiful woman to give us a picture of God's grace to hurting people. Even in the uncertainties of Naomi's life. She was refreshed with all of the harsh realities that were going on just because she had somebody who stood next to her. You know, life is never sweeter than when we give of ourselves away to somebody else. It's never sweeter to refresh somebody. Do you know that's what Christ did for us? When he left us peace. It was a moment of refreshing. We're told. That we are to exhort. Or encourage. To stir up one another. As long as it's called today. And so believer if you're in here today. That doesn't mean just the pastor encourages. That doesn't mean just the church leaders encourage. It means that as a believer in Jesus Christ, you are to encourage your brother and your sister 
every day as it's called today. As long as you have breath in your lungs, you are to be an encourager. We are to be the Ruth of this story to somebody else. Ruth never blamed God. Instead, she said, let's go to God and trust in God. Let me walk with you. Let me point you to the one true God. Let's commit our life and confess that we are all in with Jesus Christ. Church, today is National Back to Church Sunday and there are over 15,000 churches here in America alone that are celebrating this day to encourage people to come back in to the place where God's people meet, to come back in to be encouraged, to come back in and find hope and find love and joy and mercy, but to come back in to be changed, to grow, to be the person that God has called them to be. And so church... Are you all in this morning? Are you ready to be Ruth to the people in our community? There are lost and dying people that I connect with every single day of the week that have no church home, that have no hope, that don't know Jesus Christ right here in Ionia. People need Jesus. That would have been a really great spot for an amen. People need Jesus, church. Are we ready? Are we ready to be all in? Do you know that genuine faith means that we're going to forsake all and trust in God? We're going to forsake all. Do you guys remember what the Greek word for all means? All. We are to forsake all and trust God despite what we see. Despite what we see. In essence, God is all that you have. That's what faith should look like. God is all that you have. And this is the crazy part. Grace was a way for the Moabite woman. Grace was a way from the one who came from the line of incest. The one who was disgraced. There was a way of grace for Ruth. And for us in this place, there is a way of grace. There is a way of grace. Church. If you're in here this morning and if you think that you've done something too bad to be saved, you think that your life resembles something that, that cannot be changed or altered by God, you're mistaken. God takes broken vessels. He takes... The, the person who's willing to be a jar of clay. The one who's ready to be molded. The one who's ready to be shaped. If you're in here this morning, you're able to come to God. God is waiting to extend grace to you. He extended it right here. Right here. To the bitter. To the cynical. He extended it to the one whose, whose life was riddled by paganism. Do you guys know that in the Old Testament, according to Jewish law, no Moabite was ever to enter into the congregation of the Lord? 
We read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 23. The law said Ruth couldn't enter into the family. Grace said I made a way. The law said she couldn't, but grace made a way. Church, in Bethlehem, you discover grace. In Bethlehem, you discover grace. When you confess your allegiance to God and you say that you're all in and recognize that we were dead in our sins and we had no hope and we were outcast Moabites just like Ruth, when we turn to God for salvation, He will save you, church. We are told in the book of Romans that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that that God, He sent His Son to live a sinless life, to die on the cross for your sins, to be buried, and to be resurrected three days later in which He would now ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of God. It says, if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth, it says, we shall be saved. Church, there is no other way There's no other way to heaven except through Christ Jesus. None whatsoever. It is not Jesus plus good works. It is not not Jesus plus the money that you give. It's not Jesus plus the serving that you do. It is Christ alone that gets you into heaven. You have to believe. You believe. It tells us that if we call on Jesus' name, we shall be saved. And we cannot walk away from the opportunity that we have to be able to spend eternity in the, per- the place of perfection. In a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it starts right here. It can start today in this place before you leave. You don't have to walk away. You can say, I'm all in right now. And walk away from here and be a changed person. You can walk away to be sanctified. You can be walked away from this building so that you can be set apart for holy use. There are people who are lost and dying in this community. And church, it starts with us to say, I'm all in. It starts right now. We have to lay aside what we've done. We have to lay aside our bitterness. We have to press into God and be changed so that people out there know that there is a way to find hope in hopeless situations. Church, are you all in? Church, Are we ready to stand to say, God, I'm, I'm all in. I will lay everything that I have aside for you. I'm, I'm going to dive into the deep end of the pool and I'm not ever looking back. We learn of God's goodness. In this passage of scripture. Naomi has become so bitter. That she does not even want. To be recognized by her name. A name that was given to her. With purpose. With intentionality. She had become so etched. With bitterness. And it was beginning to infect. Other people. It produced the fruit of misery, anger, cynicism, 
discontentment. Do you know that cynicism is the way that we respond when we feel things don't work out the way that we think they should? Cynicism. We've overinflated our, our view of ourself. We've become egocentric in our attitude. Cynical, critical. All of those are signs of selfishness and self-centeredness. Church, when deep trials and hardships happen, it's often God's way of getting us closer to His side and helping cure us of our self-centeredness. So I need you to know something about God as we close. He's the only one who can fill you when you're empty. He's the only one that gives lasting hope. He's the only one that gives lasting joy, peace, grace, mercy. You may be in here this morning and you may have left your source. But God can bring you back. Do you know that when bitter and desolate we find all that we need in Bethlehem. They went back to Bethlehem, to the source. One of the reasons that we need to read the word of God and come to church is to be reminded and refreshed. To remember that when life is hard and when we're empty, we need a fresh perspective and we need to rely upon the promises of God. Why do you think we sung the song, Who You Say I Am? Those are promises that were given to us in Scripture about us as His children. Church, we need a place to refuel. We need a place to rejoice. We need a place to remember. And we're fed when we come here together. We surrender when we come here together. We seek when we come here together. We are filled so that we can face our future with freshness. So church, Bethlehem is the dwelling of new beginnings. Bethlehem is the dwelling of new beginnings. So are you ready to be all in? Are you ready to come to Bethlehem? To the house of bread? Where Christ came from? Are you ready I would ask everyone in this room to just please bow your heads and close your eyes with me. I just need a moment of your time if we could be in an attitude of prayer. It'll just be a few moments longer. Church, I, I want to ask you a very serious question. A very serious question. After hearing God's word in this place, after seeing the bitterness of a woman who's gone through destruction, after making the choice to come back to the source of life, to be all in, we see a perfect picture of God's grace in the person of Ruth. Church, I have to ask you, 
if you're in this place this morning and you're a believer, are you ready to be all in? Are you ready to take the plunge, the dive? Are you ready to say, God, I will follow you no matter what? But maybe you're in here this morning and you have no relationship with God. No relationship at all. It doesn't even resonate with you, but you know the Holy Spirit's been tugging on you in this place. We've talked about about salvation, about how one comes to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So if that's you in this place this morning, you do not have to wait. You can cry out to God right there in your seat. God knows your heart. You don't you do not have to step onto the stage. You do not have to walk down the aisle to become saved. You don't even have to say a specific phrase like I was taught as a child. God knows your heart. It's you crying out to him. It's you saying, I know I can't save myself and I believe that you came and lived a sinless life. It's you believing that, di- that he died on the cross for you, that Jesus died for your sins, that he was buried and resurrected. We, we are told from Scripture that if you believe and you confess, you shall be saved. You don't have to say these ten steps. You don't have to talk to the pastor or a church leader. God knows your heart. So maybe that's you in this place and you need to cry out to God right here in your seat. You need to ask God to save you. You want to be changed. You want to be able to spend eternity with Him in heaven. You want to know that you're not forsaken. You want to know that there's a place for you. That you don't have to be a slave to your sin anymore. If that's you in this place. If you've cried out to God to rescue you, to save you. I'm going to ask you to just make eye contact with me. Just look right up here, right in my eyes. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? There are at least four people who have made eye contact with me, making a profession that they have cried out to God in this place this morning. If God is, is still working, I'm, I don't want to push. But church, if you're in here, if you're a believer, if you know that you're, you're secure in where you're going in your future, who would be willing to raise their hand and say, Pastor, I'm all in. I'm ready, I'm ready to take the plunge. I'm ready to go. Thank you. God, we just come to you in this place right now, Lord, and we thank you. We rejoice with you for those who have have made a profession of crying out to you as their Lord and Savior. God, we ask of you right now in this place that we as a church would rally around these people to help them walk through what this looks like. Help them to know that they may not change physically in their appearance in the mirror, but God, your heart, uh, you, you will change the heart. God, I'm asking for truth to be the bedrock of who we are as a church. 
I pray for, for us as a church as we begin to navigate being all in, finding hope in you. God, I pray that we would never forget who we are or whose we are. God, do a work here. Continue to chisel here. Make us moldable, pliable. Help us to be a church that, that chases hard after you and your word. Help us to lay aside the things that will never satisfy and fulfill us. God, give us strength. Convict us when we have to make choices that we would base them upon your word, that we would stand firm, that we would be protected by the armor, and that we would be people of prayer, that we would commune you with you on a daily basis. And I ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Now church, before you get up and leave, I, I want to... Um, encourage you with a few things. One, if you looked at me today to make a profession of faith that you cried out to God, I'm going to ask you to do something really bold. I'm going to ask you to come up here uh, to me in just a moment. Um, I'm going to ask you to just step up in just a moment. Um, the second thing, church, um, we are having uh, food right outside on the lawn, like right next to the church building. And so things should be close to being prepared um, and ready for you in the next five to seven minutes. And so I would encourage you uh, to take, um, take your stuff to your vehicles and then meet us over here. Uh, we've had a couple of people out there grilling out for us um, and already prepping everything up. And so it's just a way uh, for us to say thank you. And then the last uh, but not least, I wanted to, as your pastor, uh, tell you how much I appreciate um, each and every single one of you. Um, the last eight months or so uh, that I have been here, um, I, my family and I have been uh, thoroughly encouraged uh, by so many of you. Um, and we want you to know uh, that your prayers and your telephone calls and your text messages and your Facebook messages uh, deeply encourage us in ministry. And I want you to know how deeply we appreciate you, how much we care for you, how much we love you, and know that you are prayed for by name every single week. My wife and I want you to know um, that we know things have looked vastly different here over the last several months, that there have been a lot of changes that have occurred here, uh, but we want you to know that we are here for the long haul. Uh, God has brought us here. Uh, God is not taking us away from here. Uh, and we uh, want to know, or want you to know that we love you, uh, that this is where God has brought us. This is where we are planted. Um, and we want you to know that you guys are a part of what God is doing here. And we want to be able to love on you, uh, to equip you, uh, to walk alongside of you uh, with life's struggles. And um, please know uh, that my door uh, is always open for you, uh, that you can always call me. Uh, you can always call our office. I mean, if I'm unavailable, I will get back with you as soon as I am able. Uh, but I just wanted to let you know uh, those, those few things before we leave here today. Um, and so if you would, um, if any of those of you who looked at me, if you would please just meet me right down here. I want to have a, a brief conversation with you and rejoice with you uh, and, and let you know how we can walk alongside of you. I promise I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you in front of anybody. Um, but if you would just meet me right down here. Uh, the rest of you, I love you guys. Hope to see you outside. You guys are sent.